Hello and welcome back to Conversation. I'm Drew Jones. And I'm Brayden Day. Uh, last episode we talked about our greatest celebrity influences. Uh, today we're taking a little bit of a darker turn. Oh, yep. Oh, yes, we are. we're getting dark. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm today, excited. Today we're going to be talking about the Zodiac Killer. Okay. There it is. <laughs> That's a pretty deep topic, Lay, topic right it there. Off. Uh, today uh, we're going to just discuss the, uh, certain facts. Uh, this, is a, this is a little different from uh, mm-hmm. our previous episodes, so bear with us. <laughs> We've never exactly did a yeah. factual one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I've gotten some requests to uh, do some. Um, and it is it is an interesting topic, and one I will say I did not know much about until I did some extensive research on the Zodiac Killer. Um, and, and I will say it is a very interesting topic. It has definitely uh, sparked some interest inside of me. I am definitely very excited to talk about this. So Here we go. It's a, it's a great, uh, uh, we've very, gotten very, some great story, so... We've gotten some requests about doing some serial killer t- uh, topics because a lot of people uh, like to listen to that stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Yep. So. All right. Uh, so, the f- uh, whoops. <laughs> the, f- the, first, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, uh, who he is and uh, what he did to become famous. All right. So, well, uh, let, let me stop you right there. I just, I just want to make something clear. Um, I, I have not confirmed this uh, to you. I, I haven't told anybody this, but uh, it's actually something I've been hiding for a long time. Um, I am the Zodiac Killer, so <laughs> I just want everybody to know that. Um, just if, you, if you've seen the uh, side-by-side picture, um, I'm literally the Zodiac Killer. Uh, I look exactly like him. Yeah, so it's a little just crazy. Just want to make sure you guys know that. Uh, Before we get into this... Don't, um, don't tell the police. This will quite literally be the most in-detail... Uh, storyline of the Zodiac Killer. It'll, it'll go in explicit detail. It'll literally be 100% accurate. So <laughs> Because, because it's me yeah. in yeah. the flesh. <laughs> That's me. That's, uh, it's I him. am the Zodiac Killer. Because so. it's him. It is, it uh, is exactly And as we speak so. right now, I'm posting that picture. So. <laughs> all right. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, all right. How about you start off uh, with the uh, who he is and what he did to become famous? All right. And uh, just to let you guys know, we are using Wikipedia uh, for our source. Um, so I'll kind of read off uh, a, a basic um, a basic uh, description Somewhere. of who he is. Um, the Zodiac Killer, or simply Zodiac, is the P.S.E.U. Uh, pseudonym. Okay, yeah. Of an unidentified American serial killer who operated in Northern California for uh, from at least the late 1960s to the early 1970s. Now, me personally, I have uh, done some research. I believe his first killing was 1968. I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, obviously, uh, you know, according to this description, nobody's really sure about when the killing started, but uh, the first com- confirmed killing, I believe, was in 1968. Uh, so continuing, um, the killer uh, originated the name in a series of taunting letters and cards sent to the San Francisco Bay Area Press. The letters included four uh, cryptograms. Um, of the four cryptograms sent, only one has been uh, definitively solved. Um, so he was known for um, taunting police and members of the press um, regarding uh, his kills, and uh, to me that just seems kind of uh, weird. I uh, hate That's uh, a little strange. Uh, hate, hate to interrupt, but uh, the reason uh, Brayden's saying is kind of weird is because uh, most uh, criminals uh, they like to avoid the police. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't want to be noticed by the police. They want to sneak past. And do crime. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's basically it. Um, and one of the most interesting things about the Zodiac Killer is that uh, he's never been caught. Yeah. Uh, they had a prime suspect for a really long time, up until now, actually. Yeah. Um, 
but they never really convicted him because they couldn't 100% prove that it was actually him to commit the killings. Um, which brings us to our next topic, I guess. Uh, why he hasn't been found yet. Yeah, why he hasn't been found. It's it's truly a um, just just a, an absolute uh, mind-boggler right there. I'm, I'm not sure what the term exactly for that one uh, uh, is, but like it's just kind of crazy. A lot of uh, serial killers, and I think this is why um, this case uh, particularly is so prominent and so um, known by uh, members of society is because it's just strange as to how he has not been found yet. So I'll go ahead and let you read off of the Wikipedia page. If we can find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Um, actually, uh, a lot of people here, I'm going to read about a lot of people have been uh, 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 claiming that they are yeah. Zodiac killers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and they have all been disproved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they actually, uh, they found uh, blood on one of the crime scenes yeah. uh, that could have matched to the Zodiac killer, but apparently he had a very uh, common blood type. Yeah, and uh, they couldn't yeah. place it with anyone because he yeah. was just so common. Mm-hmm. And um, he even uh, told the police ex- exactly where the crimes took place. Yeah, and they just never caught him. Yeah, and I hear a lot of a lot of talk about how uh, I mean, police officers nowadays are um, still attempting to uh, solve the mystery of who the Zodiac killer uh, is. Not top priority, but uh... exactly. Yeah, not top priority. I, I hear a lot about. Um, it's, a lot, of, a lot of retired police officers kind of do it as a hobby. Yeah, they, they, you know, they closed the case and they reopened it recently. Yeah. I believe in like two thousand eight because they're like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, very, very low. Like, who is he? Who is he? Who's exactly. the Zodiac killer? Yeah. Um. So uh, there's a uh, why he hasn't been found yet, which is uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a full uh, sketch, but they never found anyone that like really truly resembles, uh, except for the prime. Well, uh, and that, and that's um, suspect. And that's really, uh, you know, the reason that uh, they've gotten so close to uh, finding me is because <laughs> oh, yeah. it just looks exactly like me. I mean, the resemblance is, you know, uncanny. It's just crazy. Uh, yep. Uh, and the only uh, prime suspect that they had in the uh, Zodiac Killer case was Arthur Lee Allen, who uh, unfortunately passed away uh, before they could. Yeah. Yeah. So... And that's the thing about, um, you know, these killings obviously were done in the early 60s, or not early 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, so whoever, um, technology wasn't exactly... Exactly, yeah. Advanced. I think so. I think if someone were to attempt to do uh, something similar to what the Zodiac Killer has done, uh, they, they would could do just... It. Unsuccessful. Yep. <laughs> they would not succeed. Uh, actually, uh, there was a copycat uh, Zodiac Killer called uh, Heriberto Seda, <laughs> uh, who who uh, killed people from uh, 1990 uh, to 1993, and he got caught in 1996, so... Yeah, and that, and that really shows you how far, um, you know, police work uh, has, you know... Advanced. Changed, yeah, absolutely. Now we have another topic. Uh, we're going to list off uh, the confirmed murders. Uh, the police uh, received letters from the Zodiac saying that he claimed to kill at least 37 victims, but they have only been able to... Um, yeah. Confirm. Seven. Seven. Seven right, of those kills. So, uh, there you go, Brady. Yeah, I'll, 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 them I'll, uh, yeah, I'll read off some uh, murders. Uh, should I go in depth or should I just kind of read off the headlines? Uh, just read off the headlines. All right. All right. So, um, the first, uh, the first killing 
Uh, Lake Herman Road Murders. Then we got another killing, uh, Blue Rock Springs Murder. Um, so I think that's the first two. And then we got the, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, Lake Berryessa Murder, I believe. Um, then we have the uh, Presido Heights Murder. Um, a lot of letters in between these murders, um, which signify uh, the uh, the way that he went about uh, mocking the police, you know, things like that. Um, we got the uh, Kathleen Johns report. Not sure exactly what Kathleen. that's about. <laughs> Kathleen, you know. Uh, further Zodiac communications, all right. Um, all right. Uh, Riverside murder, okay. So, as you can see, a lot of different, uh, you know, murders and... Uh, and there was a disappearance, actually, that could have been linked to the uh, Zodiac killer. Yeah, okay. All right, so uh, what I think about, what I think is the most interesting uh, thing about the Zodiac Killer is, other than his name, is his uh, letters. Yeah, definitely. Which, um, the first letter that he sent um, was on August 1st, 1969. Mm -hmm. uh, three letters prepared by the killer were received at the uh, Vallejo Times-Herald, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. Uh they were nearly identical, uh, described by a psychiatrist to have been written by someone you would have to expect to be brooding and isolated. That's in quotes. Mm -hmm. uh, they took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Uh, in each letter, uh, what most interesting part is uh, that they were a 400-symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed to contain his identity. Uh, the, the killer demanded they be printed on each paper's front page, or he would... Cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, and then move on to kill again, until he ends up with a dozen people over the weekend. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> that's that's just um, crazy. That's just next level. Um, next level sure. uh, sickness. <laughs> it's like yeah, mental sickness. He is uh, not a nice man. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> actually go into read off uh, the um, after they were able to solve the 408 uh, symbol cryptogram. Uh, I'm gonna read a little bit of what his. Um, let us Alright. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives him the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. <laughs> wow. The best part of it is that when I die, I'll be reborn in paradise. And then I have killed... Oh. <laughs> he... And it's very uh, hard. It's, yeah. far, it's very hard to... Uh, you can tell. <laughs> decipher because he... Obviously, they It's were... a cryptogram. And, um, exactly. Yeah, killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will either try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves from my active life than a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> um, this was the solution to the Zodiac's 408 symbol cipher, which included faithful transliterations of spelling and grammar errors in the original. Uh, the meaning of any of the final 18 letters has not been determined. And I think, like, that's... Uh... In a way, you can kind of see that he's taunting because, I mean, think about how long it took for people to uh, decode that and, you know, translate it into English. And that's what you get, you know? Um, <laughs> sorry, we both said it at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> six, uh, six days later, on August 7th, uh, 1969, another letter was received at the uh, San Francisco Examiner with the salutation, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. This is the first time that... Uh, he has used this name for identification. The letter was a response to Chief Stills' request for ch oh, Chief, sorry, Chief Stills' <laughs> request for more details that would prove that he killed Faraday, Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. Uh, in it, the Zodiac actually included 
sorry, uh, details about the murders that have not yet been released to the public, mm-hmm. as well as the message to the police that, that when they crack this code, they will have me. Uh, wow. The people that deciphered it was Donald and Betty Harden of Salinas, California. Uh, it contained a misspelled message in which the killer seemed to reference the most dangerous game. He was collecting slaves for the afterlife. Uh, no name uh, appeared in the Dakota text, and the killer said that he would not give away his identity because it would slow down or stop his slave collection. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's, some twist, that's a twisted way of thinking. <sighs> yeah, most importantly. Collecting uh, slaves course, for the afterlife. That's, that's but interesting. But maybe he, he could have been lying. He could have been yeah, like well, he could have been just saying that to like freak exactly, out the police. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a mind game with this guy. It's hundred percent a mind game. Crazy. Uh, and, uh, and and I mean we haven't read off uh, you know some of the details of the murders, but um, which we will from, we'll from what that. I know. Yeah. yeah, from what I know, just not uh, you know reading these off from just from what I know off the top of my head, they were I mean young kids. I mean these were these were brutal murders. Yeah, the one the right? Faraday that we talked about earlier, the Faraday murder was. Uh, him and his girlfriend actually yeah, yeah. that got shot uh, th- on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Uh. It feels like at first it feels like he kills at random, and mm-hmm. that he kills um, just and, for sport. And, yeah. And you uh, read the letter. He says and, and in his letter, see, and you see that he you know has unplanned murders. You know, or I mean, planned murders. Well, that have well not no. Been... Well, he he has murders. Uh, he's claiming those murders. He he provides details that only the police know. Yeah. Which uh, concludes that it's actually him that does the murder. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> about, about the... Uh, yep. <laughs> there he is. Um, now we're going to get a little bit more in-depth with the uh, murders, which uh, I believe Brandon was going to take over from me here. Yeah, uh, We're sure, going to yeah. start off on uh, the Lake Herman mort- uh, murder. <laughs> Mortar, yeah. So I'm not quite sure if this is the first murder of uh, the Zodiac. It's the first killer. confirmed. First um, confirmed murder. Okay. All right. Um, uh, keyword confirmed. <laughs> I, I need to interrupt, actually. I completely messed up. I said that it was on the 4th of July about Faraday. That was the Blue Rock Springs murder. Just, oh, to, that, yeah. just to clear some confusion. So yeah. sorry. It's all right. So it's okay. Just got to make sure you get that right. Um, so anyway, uh, Lake Herman Road murders. I will go into depth about uh, what exactly happened there. The first murders uh, widely attributed to the Zodiac Killer were the shootings of high school students Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday on December 20th, 1968. So I was correct in my initial um, guess that uh, the first confirmed killing was 1968. So, I mean, obviously confirmed. So you don't know if that's, uh, that's true. You know, if that's his actual first kill. Um, and this was on Lake Herman Road just inside a uh, Benicida, I believe. I'm not sure. Benicia. Benicia. Okay. (laughs) City limits. Um, The couple were on their first date and planned to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School about three blocks from Jensen's home. The couple instead visited a friend before shopping at a local restaurant and then driving out on Lake Herman Road at about 10.15 p.m. Faraday parked his mother's Rambler in a gravel turnout, which was well-known Lover's Lane. Shortly after 11 p.m., their bodies were found by Stella Borgs, who lived nearby. The Salano County Sheriff's Department investigated the crime, but lo- no leads developed. So this is truly a uh, very psychotic murder. I'm not sure um, anybody... It seems like it's random. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of sad. Um, you know, they're, they, were gonna, they were just trying to go to a Christmas concert. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, all they were trying to yeah, do. Yeah, they just, they just wanted to... Um, 
And it said here uh, it was a well-known lover's lane. So, you know, a lot of people um, went there. Um, and obviously that, that kind of adds to the fact that, you know, it wasn't, you know, planned. Obviously he just kind of, just kind of, you know, it decided, could have been. decided to kill somebody. You know? All right. Uh, the next murder I'll be talking about. Uh, here we go. Whoop. <laughs> Something uh, dropped. Something yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is going to be the uh, Blue Rock Springs murder, which I actually mixed up. Uh, just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Darlene Farron and Michael McGough, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, I probably, drove into the Blue Rock <laughs> Springs Park in Bella Hill, four miles from the Lake Herman <laughs> The go <laughs> from the Lake Herbert murder site uh, and parked. Well, the couple sat in Farron's car. A second car drove into the lot and parked alongside them, but almost immediately drove away. Returning about 10 minutes later, this second car parked behind them. The driver of the second car then exited the vehicle, approaching the passenger side of Farron's car, carrying a flashlight and a 9mm nine, I mean, nine nine Luger. <laughs> a pistol, yeah. essentially. So. Uh, the killer directed the flashlight into uh, Magoo's and Farron's eyes. Sorry, it's, it's funny to me. Um, uh, before shooting him, uh, firing oh. five times. Uh, both victims were hit, and several bullets have passed through both uh, Majo and to Farron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, M-A-G-E-A-U. So you, tell us, how, you tell us how to pronounce that. Yeah. The killer walked away from the car, but upon hearing uh, Magoo's moaning, he was... Uh, Injured, obviously. Yeah, uh, he yeah. returned and shot him, confirming that he was killed. Mm-hmm. And this is a more interesting. On July 5th, <laughs> ni- uh, the day before, July... <laughs> Did I say that weird? <laughs> a little bit, sorry. Oh, sorry, okay. On July 5th, 1969, at 12.40 a.m., a man from the Vallejo Police Department <laughs> to report and claim responsibility for the attack. The killer also took credit for the murders of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months earlier. Please trace the call to a phone booth at gas station at Springs Road, and I'm not even going to attempt that. Uh, yeah. T-U-O-L-U-2-O-L-U-M, located about three-tenths of a mile from Farron's home, and only a few blocks from the Vallejo Police Department. Uh, Farron was unfortunately pronounced dead at the hospital. Majoa survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Majoa described his attacker as a 26- to 30-year-old, 195- to 200-pound, or possibly even more. Five- foot eight inch white male with short light brown curly hair so what i get from that description is uh i could beat this guy up yeah. <laughs> well right now i believe this is the first witness account of the killer which yeah. possibly brought on and I, and to I, be yeah sorry the and sketch I, yeah i was going to talk about that i i hadn't looked into what the survivors of the attacks had really said about you know the description of the zodiac killer and whether or not they uh, were able to do anything to help um, uh, catch him. Obviously, they haven't caught him yet, but yeah, I, I never looked into that really. Um, so it's interesting to read about that right there. And so. right after that is when the first uh, letters from the zodiac started to become uh, come through the uh, the press, which was uh, where the which yeah, were yeah. close to where the murders took place. Yeah. All right, now with the uh, next confirmed murder, which will bring them take over. I will take over. All right, so going to detail about the uh, lake. Uh, Berryessa? Sure Berryessa murder, okay. On September 27th, 1969, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at a Lake Berryessa, at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand split to Twin Oak Ridge. A white man about 5 feet 11 inches, so that contradicts the description made by 
uh, somebody else, uh, which was of course he was uh, also murdered and he had a flashlight lit into his. Yeah, face. so yeah. <laughs> you, you know how how correct can you really be? Um, weighing more than 170 pounds, uh, 77 kilograms, with a combed greasy brown hair, approached them wearing a black executioner's type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest that had a white three by three inch cross circle symbol Ooh. on it. So that's, 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 that's very interesting. That's the Zodiac symbol yeah. now. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, he approached them with a gun, which uh, which Hartnell believed to be a uh, forty-five. Not sure what that means. I don't know anything about uh, guns. Forty-five caliber. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from a jail with a two-word name in either Colorado or Montana. Um, a police officer later inferred he had been referring to a jail um, in Deer, Lo- uh, Deer Lodge, Montana, where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car, explaining that he now needed their car and money to go to Mexico as the vehicle had been driving. As the vehicle he had been driving was too hot. Well, you got to get your AC fixed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I got to say to that. But anyway, I'll continue. Um, he had brought a pre-cut length of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell before he tied her up. The killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after discovering Shepard had, uh, had bound Hartnell's hands loosely. Whoa, that's tough. Um, Hartnell initially believed this event to be a bizarre robbery, but the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Wow, that is morbid. Um, Hartnell suffering six and uh, Shepard ten wounds in the process. The killer then hiked 500 yards back up to Knoxville Road, drew the cross uh, circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt tip pen, and wrote beneath it Vallejo 122068, which looks like which that the, uh, describes first... the date of the first confirmed killing. Okay. And then 7469, which describes the second confirmed killing. Okay, wow, this is interesting. And then September 27th, 69, which uh, describes this killing right here, um, which was made on September 27th. There's the picture there. Um, by wow. Knife. Yeah, that wow. That means uh, he's uh, confirming that he is the same person. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely. the one person yeah. that... Uh, and that's that's killed. pretty deep stuff. At, uh, at 7.40 p.m., the killer called the uh, Napa County Sheriff's Office from a pay telephone to report the latest crime. Okay, so he's reporting his own crimes. I think it's because he wants recognition. Yeah. Okay. He well, wants to like. But here's the thing: taunt the police, like, "Oh, I just killed someone. Hmm. I'm gonna do it again." I wonder if they used. I'm not sure how good. Obviously, it couldn't have been that great um, back in 1970. Um, but I'm not sure how good the uh, uh, technology or anything was. But why not just trace the call and get his voice? You know, would that? Well, they, I'm not sure how did. good how much that would help. They did. Okay. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, it, uh, it said they reported a murder, and then he said that it was going to be a, a double murder. Okay, so the caller first stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder. No, a double murder. Okay. All right, that's interesting. So, And then before stating that he had been the perpetrator of the crime, the phone was found still off still off the hook minutes later at the Napa Car Wash on Main Street in Napa by Covon Radio reporter Pat Stanley. Way to go, Pat. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Anyway, I think that pretty much sums up that one. Um, like, looks for, like we what? have a new. Sorry to uh, interrupt, but looks like we have a new uh, witness account. Yeah, uh, white man, five feet eleven, hundred seventy pounds. Uh, you know, pretty close to uh, five foot eight. You know, hundred eighty pounds. Yeah, whatever, pretty close to the uh, yes, first yeah. one. So it looks like uh, apparently he is um, taunting. We have the first uh, account of the uh, zodiac symbol. 
which was written on his car door, which said Vallejo, the dates in which he killed those people, mm-hmm. and how he did it, too. So, All right, next we're going to do the Presidio. Presidio. And I love I the know. little pictures they have on the side. kind of gives you a uh, visual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, on the Presidio think... Heights murder. Yeah, you can go ahead with that. Sorry, sorry. Um, no, that's all right. Two weeks later, on October 11th, 1969, a white male passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Geary Streets, one block west from Union Square, in San Francisco, requesting to be taken to Washington and Maple Streets in Presidio Heights. For reasons unknown, Stein drove one block past Maple to Cherry Street. The passenger then shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm, took Stein's wallet and car keys, and tore away a section of Stein's blood-stained shirt tail. This passenger was observed by three teenagers across the street at 9.55 p.m. who called the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the cab down before walking away towards the Presidio, one block to the north. Two blocks from the crime scene, patrol officer Don Fook <laughs> and Eric Zelms respond, responding to the call observed a white man walking along the sidewalk east on Jackson Street and stepping into a Stairway leading up to the front yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. The encounter only lasted five to ten seconds. So now he's we have quick. another. He's we have quick. another witness account of three teenagers. Yeah. Who he's a white man, tall dude. And see, this is America. You know, I mean, anybody who lives in America, anybody could look like very that. Very basic description of uh, you know what somebody yeah. looks like. It could uh, be it could be me, and it is me. Yeah. <laughs> Going uh, on. We're gonna kind of ignore that. It, it's not. It's not me. But also, it could be me. But I'm just not gonna. I'm not going to. Uh, We're not, not gonna, gonna say anything. anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Fook estimated the. I did not curse. Uh, <laughs> Fook. F O U K E. Fook. <laughs> I know that's funny. Yeah, but I'm not. Well, I mean that makes it. I'm not sure how else to pronounce that. Yeah. Estimated the white male uh, pedestrian to be 35 to 45 years old, 5'10 with a tall five oh five feet 10 inches tall. Sorry, with a crew cut similar to but slightly older. Then the description of the teenagers who observed the killer in and out of Stein's cab as a 25 to 30 year old crew cut white male about 5 foot inch. Guess, uh. I mean, 5 foot 8 inch. <laughs> two, uh, two weeks really did it for him. Yep. <laughs> yep. The, the Stein murder was initially thought to be a routine robbery that es- had escalated. However, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter from the Zodiac containing a piece of bloody shirt and taking credit for the killing. The 310 witnesses worked with a police artist to compare a composite, composite sorry, I can't yeah. speak today, <laughs> sketch of Stein's killer. A few days later, this police artist returned, working with the witnesses to prepare a second composite sketch of the killer. Detectives Bill Armstrong and Dave Tachi were examining the case. The San Francisco Police Department investigated an estimated 2,500 sus- suspects. Over a period of years. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to that unfold. That is a right lot there. of work right yeah, there. Yeah, really is a lot to unfold. And it's crazy to me, uh, two weeks later um, is when that crime occurred. Um, so. uh, looks like up until now, he uh, takes, a, uh, takes a break. All right. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he, uh, the Chronicle received letters on October 14th, 1969. Then he got another one. November 8th, 1969, then November 9th, he sent one, a seven-page letter, saying that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That, wow. That is, that's hilarious, actually. I mean... Well, not really. <laughs> obviously, no, like the, you know... 
Well, the fact that he literally just yeah. And then um, on November twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, uh, anniversary of the death, the murders of Darren Faraday, uh, the Zodiac mailed a letter uh, that included another swatch of Stein's shirt. The Zodiac said he wanted Belly to help him. Belly is a who is he? Sorry. Oh, Sam. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just skipped over some stuff. Sorry about that. <laughs> Melvin. Melvin. Yeah, he wanted Melvin to help him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now we're on to the Kathleen John's report, which Brayden will. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, on the night of March twenty second, nineteen seventy, Kathleen Johns was driving from uh, San Bernardino to uh, Petaluma. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, to visit her mother. Um, she was uh, seven months pregnant at the time, and her ten month old daughter beside her. While heading west on Highway 132 near uh, Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. Uh, she pulled off the road and stopped. The man in the car parked behind her, approached the car, uh, stated that he observed that her right rear wheel was wobbling, and offered to tighten the lug nuts. After finishing his work, the man drove off, yet uh, when Johns pulled forward to re-enter the highway, the wheel almost immediately came off the car. The man returned, offering to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. Now, you know, I don't predict the future. I don't, you know, but that doesn't seem like a good idea, you know. Stranger danger. I think if they knew who uh, he was, even if they he didn't definitely, know who he was. He definitely they, did it on purpose, too. Yeah. He well, definitely, he absolutely. didn't tighten it. He loosed him. Loosed exactly. Him. That's, 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 uh, that's definitely what I think he did. Um, and knowing that, I'm not sure if me, personally, I'd be comfortable with just hopping in some dude's car or just, you know. After reading this, uh, yeah. 100%, I am not hopping so in So we're learning things. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Where are we at? Turn off your Looks like, uh, right here. Uh, all right. So she and her daughter climbed into his car. Um, during the ride, the car passed several service stations, but the man did not stop. So that's a red flag right there. Uh, for about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the back roads near Tracy. When Johns asked why he was not stopping, he would change the subject. Uh, when the driver finally stopped in an intersection, Johns jumped out of the uh, jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. Okay, so Johns uh, trying to pull some hero- heroic acts here. Um, I respect trying Johns. I respect Johns for it. Okay, I respect that. Kathleen. Yeah. Yeah. The driver searched for her using uh, searched for her using his flashlight, um, telling her that he would not hurt her. Um, which I assume is a lie, before, yeah. eventually, before eventually giving up. Unable to find her, he got back into the car and drove off. Johns hitched a ride to the police station in Patterson. So Johns, I got to give this guy props. She. She, I got to give her props. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just an uh, incredible, um, very heroic act by Johns. I mean, I, I just That's can't. pretty brave. I would be scared to death. and I'm. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could do to the To jump same. out of a car? Exactly, yeah. That's, that's tough. I mean, got to give her credit. So when Johns uh, gave her statement to the surgeon on duty, she noticed the police composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and recognized him as the man who had abducted her and her child. And that's interesting because, see, my thinking is that picture, it's a very basic picture in my opinion. I mean, I look exactly like that guy. Yeah. (laughs) And I I wasn't even alive when this happened. There's probably a lot of other people that look exactly like I have a time machine. I have a time machine. Uh in my house so <laughs> i you know it could have been me but i'm just i'm not gonna uh comment on that but um yeah my thinking is i mean that picture it's a very basic looking picture i mean it could have been anybody in my opinion but very well it could have been the zodiac killer um in this case um all right so we got 
fearing, Sketchup fearing he might come back. Fearing, all right, fearing he might come back and kill them all. The surgeon had John's wait in the dark at uh, the nearby Mills restaurant when her car was found. It had been gutted and torched. Wow. Um, most accounts say he threatened to kill her and uh, her daughter while driving them around, but at least one police report disputes that. Uh, John's account, who uh, Paul Avery of the Chronicle uh, indicates her abductor left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight. However, in one report she made to the police, she stated he did not leave the vehicle. Hmm. So we've got uh, conflicting reports here. It's probably um, it's probably trauma. She's trying to remember what exactly what happened. Not, yeah, she, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Her life and her children's life were, yeah. were in danger. And here, here's the interesting part. Um, uh, it says here, fearing he might come back and kill them all, the surgeon had John's wait in the dark. I'm not sure about that decision. I think John's is... Uh, well, he probably was there. Huh? The, the police dude was... Uh, Oh yeah, he was with him. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, John's. I mean, I feel like she could have had a a good. You know, she might have been able to kill him. Like I don't know. I don't know about waiting in the dark. (laughs) I'm just. I'm just playing around. But I just feel like, like, uh, you know, John's. uh, I really respect that heroism from John's. I mean, I just. Yeah. There you go, Kathleen. All right. uh, Now we're gonna move on to uh, further Zodiac communications with. um, He continued to communicate with the authorities. For the remainder of 1970, via letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20th, 1970, the Zodiac wrote, My name is uh, followed by a blank, well, followed by a 13 character cipher. The Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station in San Francisco, referring to the February 18th, 1970 death of Sergeant Brian McDonald two days after the bombing at Park Station in Golden State Park, but added, There is more glory to killing a cop. That a, that a Sid, uh, I don't know what that is, a Sid, because a Except cop can gotta... shoot back. <laughs> I'm not sure what that yeah, is. <laughs> uh, the letter included a diagram of a bomb that the Zodiac claimed he would use to blow up a school bus. At the bottom, he wrote the uh, the circle yeah, with a cross through it. Symbol. Uh, equal 10, SVPD equals 0. Like, I got 10 points, you got 0. Uh, oh. Zod- yeah. So this is more accounts of him taunting the police. Yep. Uh, since he's uh, succeeding in killing all these people, and the police have not succeeded in finding him. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, Zodiac. <laughs> Sorry about that. Zodiac sent a greeting card postmarked April twenty eighth, nineteen seventy, to the Chronicle. Sorry about that. Written on the card was, "I hope you enjoy yourself when I have my blast." Followed by the... Oh, I did it. Oh, yeah. Oh, Followed by the guy. Zodiac's cross-circle signature. On the back of the card, the Zodiac threatened to use the bus bomb soon, unless the pap- newspaper published the full details he wrote. He also wanted to start seeing people wearing some nice Zodiac buttons. Wow. I think... What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I think... Uh, my conclusion would be that this guy is kind of a narcissist. Yeah. He wants, he wants yeah. recognition for what he's done, even though it's horrible. Uh, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill... So many people on this bus. Yeah. If you don't publish my paper, if you don't sell buttons that have my circle cross on. All right. Later on, in June 26, 1970, the Zodiac stated that he was upset that he did not see people wearing Zodiac buttons. He wrote, "I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38 caliber." The Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of Sergeant Richard Radichit Titch. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a week later, on uh, yeah, Richard on. <laughs> June 19th. At 5.25 a.m., 
Raditich was Raditich probably was riding a parking ticket in a squad car when a assailant shot him in the head with a 38 caliber pistol. Uh, Raditich died 15 hours later. SVFP denies the Zodiac was involved in this murder and remains completely unsolved. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. I just want to note uh, June 19th is actually a, a day, before a day before my, your birthday. My birthday. Yeah. So, you know, I was just uh, yeah, I was a day off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop. Yeah. I'll stop with the jokes. All right. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, he he sent another letter to the Chronicle on July 24th. He sends a lot of letters, man. The Zodiac. Yeah, took, he's got a lot of time on his The hand, Zodiac took credit for Kathleen John's abduction four months after the incident. In a July 26, 1970, 1970 letter, the Zodiac paraphrased a song from the Mikado, adding his own lyrics about making a little list of the ways he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. Whoa. Uh, paradise with a C. The letter was signed with a large, exaggerated cross-circle symbol and a new score. Zodiac 13, SVF, SVPD 0. At the final note at the bottom of the letter stated, P.S., the Mountain Diablo code concerns radiance plus number, yeah, like a number of inches <laughs> yeah. along the radiance. In 1981, a close examination of the radiant hint by Zodiac researcher Gareth Penn led to the discovery that a radiant angle, when placed over the map per Zodiac's instructions, pointed to the locations of two Zodiac attacks. Wow. He's good at this. I'm going to yeah. say that he is yeah. really good. I mean, I obviously, people, yeah. it's a very morbid thing, but I mean... He, he does it, and he does it good. I mean, that's all I got to say. Obviously, again, um, a lot of these, uh, you know, taunting, uh, stuff like that that he does um, to the SFPD, San Francisco Police Department, um, that, that kind of stuff I don't think would uh, fly uh, current day. Um, I think I think it would be, uh, you know, obviously if, if this kind of thing was happening. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of people like to bring up the fact that the amount of confirmed murders, um, really, when you, when you look at it, uh, is only seven, you know? And and that's part of why it was so difficult to find him, because they, yeah, they, they, they weren't... claimed to do all sorts of things. Yeah, and there wasn't really a, like, he didn't... That, people didn't really have, like, a, a large number of, uh, you know, victims to uh, connect with uh, Zodiac Killer. So it was more difficult for people to uh, find him. But I feel like uh, in today's, today's uh, day and age, I feel like it'd be pretty uh, simple to find the Zodiac Killer, but... Uh, even even you know, regardless, he was a very he was very good at what he did. So, all right, here is a um, one that could have uh, could have been a confirmed murder of the Zodiac before 1968, which Brandon's gonna have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll summarize that. Um, so here we go. Uh, October 30th. Sorry about that. Um, 1966, all right, so this is two years before the official confirmed murder. Of David Faraday. Yes, and, uh, of David. Um, so 18-year-old uh, Cherry Joe Bates. Sherry. Sherry. Sherry Joe Bates, a student of Riverside Community College, spent the evening at the campus library annex until it closed at 9 p.m. Neighbors reported hearing a scream around 10.30 p.m. Bates was found dead the next morning, a short distance from the library between two abandoned houses slated to be demolished for campus renovations. The wires in her Volkswagen distributor cab had been pulled out. She was brutally beaten and stabbed to death. A man's Timex watch with a torn wristband was found nearby. The watch had stopped at 1224, but police believe the attack occurred much earlier. So I believe they're inferring that uh, this watch was the Zodiac Killer's watch. Um, 
not sure what the time 12 24 it'd be it would be interesting it significant yeah no significance uh to that time it would be interesting if he uh like kind of did something like that like maybe uh set the time uh, on the watch to something uh, that meant and something. i want to i want to pass him especially when we talked about the radians and how it like completely lined up with the exact location of like two yeah. of his past murders yeah <laughs> so anyway i'll continue um a month later, on November 29th, uh, 1966, near uh, nearly identical typewritten letters. Uh, here we go again with the letters. Yeah. <laughs> for mail. But this time, uh, oh, well, this time uh, most of the letters from the Zodiac were handwritten. Now they're typewritten. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah. A little bit of a difference. Okay, yeah. Um, nearly identical type uh, typewritten letters were mailed to the Riverside Police and the Riverside Press Enterprise titled The Confession. The author claimed responsibility for the Bates murder, providing details of the crime that were not released to the public. The author warned that Bates is not um, is not the first, and she will not be the last. In December 1966, a poem was discovered carved into the bottom side of a desktop in the Riverside uh, City College Library, titled "Sick of Living Slash Unwilling to Die." Um, the poem's language and ha- uh, handwriting resembled that of the Zodiac's letters. It was uh, signed with what we uh, signed with what were assumed to be the initials R.H. during the 1970 investigation. Uh, Sherwood Morrill, California's top question documents, questioned documents examiner, uh, expressed his opinion that the poem was written by the Zodiac. All right, so interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting stuff right there. Um, that, that could have meant he worked with someone else. Yeah, I mean, that, that's maybe, c- maybe the Zodiac, what that suggests. Um, maybe the Zodiac wants the credit for all these killings that he just wrote that right after the killing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty psychotic, uh, psychotic thing way, uh, way of thinking. Um, wanting credit for killings, it's, uh, that's weird. <laughs> that's yeah, all I, gotta say. I, I mean, obviously, in the past, well, not in the past, I guess in the future, since this is, he claimed all those stuff and they couldn't necessarily. Um, yeah, maybe he wanted to like have like, I'm the one doing all these killings. Don't give recognition to anyone else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, like give me all. The, I want all the credit. I'm I'm the one doing it. Yeah, and like the the you know the confidence that he carried himself with, I think, is what's really scary. I mean, he didn't think they were gonna figure out who he was, and we still have still haven't. Yeah, <laughs> so he was anyway, right. I'll finish I'll finish this uh, Riverside murder up. Um, on April thirtieth, nineteen sixty seven, exactly six months after the Bates murder, uh, Bates' father Joseph, the pr- uh, Press Enterprise, and the Riverside Police all received nearly identical letters in a handwritten scrawl. Uh, the press enterprise and police copy, copies read, Bates had to die, there will be more, with a small scribble at the bottom that resembled the letter Z. Joseph Bates' copy read, she had to die, there will be more, this time without the Z signature. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, on March 13th, 1971, five months after Avery's article linking uh, the Zodiac to the Riverside murder, the Zodiac mailed a letter to the Los Angeles Times. In the letter, he credited the police instead of Avery for discovering his Riverside activity. But they are only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. Wow, okay. Uh, the connection between uh, Sherry, Joe Bates, uh, Riverside, and the Zodiac remains uncertain. Paul Avery and the Riverside Police Department maintain uh, that the Bates homicide was not committed by the Zodiac, but did, concre- uh, did concede some of the Bates letters may have been his work wow. to claim wow. credit falsely. So that is crazy. Murder. Uh, murder. Anyway, um, there's a lot of. Um, now we're going to talk about. Sorry for interrupting. That's no, all right. The um, 
the only prime suspect, Arthur Lee Allen. And I think after that we can we can wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, yeah, it's, we're getting a little long here. Sorry about that. Um, all right, Robert Gravesmith's book Zodiac uh, advanced Arthur Lee Allen as a potential suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Allen had been interviewed by the police from the early days of the Zodiac investigations and was the subject of several search warrants over a 20-year period. In 2007, Graysmith noted that the several police detectives described Allen as the most likely suspect. However, in 2006, Tashi stated that all the evidence against Allen ultimately turned out to be negative. On October 6, 1969, Allen was interviewed by Detective John Lynch of the Vallejo Police Department. Allen had been reported in the vicinity of the Lake Berryessa attack against Hartnell and Shepard on September 27, 1969. He described himself scuba diving at Salt Point on the day of the attacks. Allen again came to police attention in 1971 when his friend Donald Cheney reported to police in Manhattan Beach, California that Allen had spoken of his desire to kill people, use the name Zodiac, and secure a flashlight to f a firearm for visibility at night. According to Cheney, this conversation occurred no later than January 1st, 1969. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Jack uh, Mullinax of the Vallejo Police Department subsequently wrote, Allen had received an other than honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy in 1958 and had been fired from his job as an elementary school teacher in March 1968 after allegations of sexual misconduct with students. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> so uh, he's not really a... Not a great guy. <laughs> yeah. However, he was genuinely well regarded by those who knew him, but he was also described as fixated on young children and angry at women. He had he apparently had never had a wife, a girlfriend, or a wife. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, you can see some uh, psychotic behavior in uh, Arthur Lee Allen. Um, obviously. He's a pedophile. Getting, <laughs> yeah, yep. getting uh, fired uh, from your job as an elementary school teacher because uh, people are suspecting that you are engaging in sexual misconduct. Yeah, that's not good. That's definitely not good. Yep. And so, so anyway, and it's it's interesting to think about. Um, obviously, uh, Arthur has uh, since passed, um, but I think um, you know me personally. I think about you know maybe they just kind of you know wanted to claim that it was it was Arthur just so they could get the case over with because it's been a while maybe since, but um, since uh, you know the killings happened of course there's Donald Cheney yeah who said this stuff about him wanting to kill people anyways I'm gonna wrap this little thing up here alright alright yeah. in September of 1972 San Francisco police obtained a search warrant for Allen's residence in 1974 Allen was arrested for sexually assaulting a 12 year old boy he pleaded oh. guilty and served two years in prison Vallejo police served another search warrant at Allen's residence in February of 1991. Two days after Allen's death in 1992, Vallejo police served another warrant and seized property from Allen's residence. Other evidence existed against Allen, albeit entirely <laughs> circumstantial. <laughs> I, I said that really fast. A letter sent to the Riverside Police Department from Bates Killer was typed with the Royal Typewriter with an elite type. The same brand found during February 1991 search of Allen's residence. He owned and wore a Zodiac brand wristwatch. He lived in Vallejo and worked minutes away from where one of the Zodiac victims, Farron, lived and from where 
one of the killings took place. Okay, okay so we can see we can see how there. we can see how he's a a prime suspect right there. So, wow. So that's uh, wrapped up. Looked like he, uh, he did own something that could points him to being coming up yeah. with the name Zodiac. Yeah, his, his wristwatch. Yeah, and it, and it does uh it does go on to say um that they uh, developed a partial DNA profile from the uh, saliva on stamps. Okay, so yeah, I, I did uh, have some background knowledge about this, um, but they're not, uh, as far as I know, they weren't able to uh, completely find a like a 100% DNA match. But So yeah, that's uh, I think that's all we got for the Zodiac Killer. Uh, so, hope you enjoyed. Here, let me, let me go over a couple of house, uh, housekeeping things. I, I've always just wanted to... Uh, um, I want to uh, let everybody know that uh, if you want to uh, suggest an idea or if you want to even be a, uh, a special guest on Converse Nation, uh, uh, yeah. let us know. I mean, uh, we'll we probably have, accommodate. Uh, social media, um, uh, Brain Day 16 for me. I'm not sure what you're... Uh, Drew Jones underscore underscore. Yeah. Okay, yeah, on Instagram. So just send us, a, send us a direct message if you want to be a special guest on Converse Nation and... Uh, even uh, give us some suggestions on what you think our episode should be about. Well, we've got some good ideas uh, coming for you in the future, but I figured I'd let you know. Um, hope you enjoyed it. This is our first factual podcast, so yep. we're a little off. We're not terribly good at it. Let us know, please. Let us know. Give us some constructive criticism. Is always good. Yeah. Yep. And um, um, one last thing. Uh, just got to kind of make this a habit. I don't know if... Uh, uh, make sure to eat your lettuce. Well, yeah. Uh, that That's a great point, but... I just want to emphasize um, that a lot of people uh, just just don't give uh, lettuce the respect it deserves. And I just want to make sure that uh, people for the third or fourth time, I believe, I've mentioned this um, on Converse Nation, I just want to make sure that people understand uh, the importance of lettuce uh, in our community and in life in general. Yeah. <laughs> lettuce is uh, just historically one of the greatest, um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just an incredible vegetable. It's just one of the greatest vegetables on the planet. <laughs> Ever. Um, so I just want I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Thank you very much. And and seriously, like broccoli, are you kidding me? Broccoli? No. Broccoli, <laughs> lettuce, carrots, okay? All, All right. right, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. Thank you very much. Make sure to hit someone. follow to keep updated on recent episodes. Uh, we'll see you every single Wednesday. That's right. See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> uh, and for now, I am Drew Jones. And I'm Brayden Day. <laughs> See you next time on Covers Nation.